0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1055 with Paula Haynes.
1: The language that we use here that we learned from that lesson is um, how do we empower instead of enable? So anytime someone needs assistance, we run it through that lens. Are
0: you ready for it? It factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge. Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. If you're tired of the other tater, you ought to try tater cakes because it's time to serve the tater your guests deserve. Tater cakes are shredded potatoes mixed with delicious flavors. All the best parts of a baked potato in the perfect handheld package from the freezer to the fryer to the guest. Serve them in a variety of different ways and in different applications. Great for dining, delivery, and to go with all the uncertainties of the world today. We should be able to be certain that our food always has great flavor. And tater Tater Kegs provides that comfort in every bite. Request samples at TaterKegs.com. That's T-A-T-E-R-K-E-G-S.com, TaterKegs.com. My name is Eric Cacciatore. I'm the founder and host of Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. The Predictive Index, or PI, is a talent optimization platform that helps build happier and more productive teams. With the PI software, you will lower employee turnover, train your managers to be leaders, and keep your employees engaged. You can try PI for free and receive a 30-minute consultation from a certified PI partner, Ed Doherty, from One Degree Coaching. Head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash try PI. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot This episode brought to you by Owner.com. Owner.com is the leading all-in-one platform for restaurant marketing. Owner.com powers everything from SEO-optimized websites, direct online ordering, automated email and text marketing, built-in loyalty programs, zero commission delivery, and branded mobile apps for your restaurant that's integrated right into your POS. With Owner.com, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and nothing to lose. Join thousands of restaurant owners using Owner.com to grow direct online sales, save thousands in third-party fees and simplify their online ordering presence all in one book a free demo today at owner.com slash unstoppable and see why owner.com is the number one rated restaurant marketing software with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest
1: ceo
0: of freedom a la carte paula haynes paula my lady are you feeling unstoppable today
1: it's 9 a.m. I am unstoppable <laughs> you
0: must be I mean the yeah. work you're doing I mean is is it's unstoppable work and I, I mean I'm we're gonna dive into the story of freedom of the cart and what you're doing here I can't wait to dive in I don't think I gave you a warning that this was coming but we like to start every episode off with a success quote or a mantra is there mm-hmm. something that comes to mind
1: I would say for us the thing that we always go back to and that I, I say quite often is that um Many people will come to Freedom a la Carte because of the mission, right? They'll come because it's – I call it a charity purchase. Like they think it's this is going to make me feel good. Mm. I, um, I want to give back. But how you build a business is by turning those people into customers by having exceptional like – an exceptional experience. Okay. And then they come back again and again. So really um, it's, it's all about creating – being exceptional.
0: I love that. It's a great way to get this thing started. And um, what the work you're you're doing is truly exceptional. And you're here because Singjita from service called you out to be a future guest in the show, what they're doing over there to empower uh, basically just underprivileged or or um, previously incarcerated Mm -hmm. professionals to, to give them an opportunity and what she's trying to do is to, to, to change the industry from the bottom up. So where I'm coming from the top down, I think and if we're going to change the industry, if we're going to transform the industry, it comes from all angles. And I think that you're another example of, of really trying to transform it from the bottom up and empowering the people at, at the, the ground level. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I would say, but I would say in addition to, I, I yeah, think feel we're free using, to correct me. <laughs> well, I would just add, I think we're using the industry to transform people. Okay. And that's kind of how we look at look at it here. Um, that that the work that happens within um, the restaurant industry is very unique and special. Mm. And it's such a great place for training.
0: Yeah, I was curious about that. That was one yeah. of the questions. So why don't we, before we dive into like the details, mm-hmm. get big picture for me. Like what is freedom a la carte? Let's start with the end of mind. Paint the picture of what freedom a la carte is today. And then we'll talk about you okay. and how you got into this work and we'll, we'll really dissect, but give us the big picture. What's the mission statement and like, what are you guys doing?
1: Okay. Mission statement is, um, freedom a la carte empowers individuals who have experienced human trafficking to, um, live free lives and become self-sufficient. Mm. And we do that through our nonprofit social enterprise. So we are helping women get jobs but you know not training them and and Unlike others that do similar work, we don't feel we're training individuals to stay in the restaurant industry. We see it as a great training ground for individuals to find who they are and what they want to do. Some stay, but others, you know, find other industries that they want to hop into. And so they're with us for two years. It's it's it takes a long time to kind of work through the trauma and barriers that prohibit these individuals I can from only imagine. Yeah. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, but the back to the, that question that I wanted to provide context for like why is the restaurant industry such a great place to give opportunity to people?
1: Well, I think a lot of us had our first jobs in the restaurant industry. Right. right? And you, um, and, and for, for us, we think about it. Like if you go back to, to my upbringing, you know, magic happens in the kitchen like that's where I learned, got connection with both of my grandmothers. That's where you know there's something about working together on a on something, and you're standing around the kitchen and you're talking and sharing your lives and giving feedback and it's giving primal. advice. It's it is right.
0: Yeah, you think about the evolution of people. Like we just we get around the fire, stand exactly. in the circle, start Break talking, bread together, throw like, some meat on that sucker. Let's,
1: Absolutely. And then the um the pride that happens when you've created something and you make it look beautiful, yeah. you serve it and someone like loves it and gives you accolades, yeah. like all that whole process is well, just
0: it's weird because like food is technically a commodity. Mm-hmm. You think of what we call food like salt, um like dirt and all these that's not food but like basically like, your your raw materials is where I'm going with that. Okay. But like included in raw materials, grain, animals, Mm -hmm. all these things—that's life. And I think that it's weird to to group living things with not alive things in terms of like commodities: gold, Mm -hmm. silver, Mm -hmm. salt, grain—or not grain, but like what's the word? Gravel. That's those word I was looking for. It's like those are in the same category. And I feel like it's weird how we've just kind of like taken the life out of food, but literally. Where I'm going with this is like when we're sit, sitting around a campfire and we're, we're cooking something, whether we're baking bread or we're, we're you know grilling meat, that thing was alive, and it's and we're and we're, we're taking life and we're giving life in that yeah. moment, and it's such an intimate thing, you know, and we we try to make commoditize that, it's fucked up, part of my language, Where you, what's no, going it on, is. yeah,
1: I think that like for us, I I don't think we thought through that whole all of those benefits when we first started the social enterprise right so i think it's just magical how there's definitely magic yeah Yeah. like it's just magical to see it now and think oh my gosh this is the perfect business to be doing what we're doing and to help transform lives i couldn't
0: agree more uh so who are you help me understand like how you got here what were you doing before freedom a la carte
1: so, um immediately before freedom, I had a marketing business. I was a marketing professional, had my own business um and through that experience, you know, I graduated in advertising back a few years, and things like things have changed right? yeah, yeah, something uh, <laughs> we'll go with that, <laughs> but um you know things things change. And my husband and I were in a situation where um, he, he lost his job, and it was like, okay, we're just gonna. He was in a, the marketing profession. We're just gonna do this ourselves. So I taught myself Photoshop. I tell my, t- you know, I had to learn those things myself, and that led to teaching myself how to do um, build websites, and you just figure SEL, out
0: marketing all of that yeah. stuff,
1: and you figure out that, geez there's resources out there, I'm an intelligent woman, I can figure this out. And so that kind of helped, you know, that's how we built that business. Um, And then in that process, I went to um, some friends of mine talked about this Freedom A la carte and there was a like human trafficking 101 class and I thought I I want to learn more about this. I didn't really understand it and I thought what what is this? This was in about 2013.
0: So Freedom A la carte started in 2009, you said, I think.
1: 2009 the social the um, nonprofit started. Okay. The social enterprise started in 2011.
0: So in 2016 you've see this program being hosted
1: and that's in- uh, nope, nope. So I'm sorry. 2009 uh, the organization started. Yep. 2011 was when the social enterprise started. And I came on about 2013.
0: What's the difference between a nonprofit and a social enterprise? So
1: the nonprofit is is helping the women. It's all, it's all grant-funded, donation-funded. So we are a nonprofit. But the social enterprise was a business that we started in okay. order to help the women get a job. Got it. And um, – so those are the those were the two. So Freedom different- All
0: Cart being the, the cafe was started in two thousand
1: So it was actually a food cart. Oh cool. So we purchased a food cart on eBay for twelve hundred dollars, decided to sell sandwiches. We pushed that baby around to different festivals. I love that though. Yeah. That's
0: exactly how I would start or tell anybody to start a business. Like, don't go for the brick and mortar on day one. Yeah. Like build that brand like yes. push a figure out around. which
1: yeah but oh man that was, your recipes. Hard. it is that's hard so but hard. if you want it
0: bad enough yeah. like how much does a food cart cost yeah
1: it was 1200 bucks
0: how much does a brick and mortar cost yeah tell me 1200 a, a month at least Five hundred thousand yeah. if you're lucky yeah exactly <laughs> you know like so the, 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 the just start where you can and if yeah. you want it bad enough you'll do the work you know so so you guys start with a food cart and then you evolve into
1: and then we and then you know we're in we're in ohio with a food cart, yeah, but yeah, that's not sustainable.
0: That's <laughs> what you get—maybe eight months out. Yeah, of the year? exactly. Yeah.
1: So we started doing catering, and so then that's really what what drove business, and that the food cart kind of, you know, as it was bumping along the road, kind of just bumped away, <laughs> and um, and you know the the catering business grew and. You know, I love to dive deeper into kind of what we learned there and how we kind of took yeah, feel that business. So,
0: so uh, this is 2013 is when you came on. Yep. And that's so I came in as a
1: volunteer. Yep. yep. I kind of learned about oh, this is happening here in Columbus. I want to dive in. I, you know, was an entrepreneur. So I loved that social enterprise model. Like here's a nonprofit that understands generating your own revenue is a way to help your nonprofit be sustainable. Right. So I loved that idea. I think there's this
0: weird energy around money today where like younger generations, I'll admit the, the, the millennials started this. I'm a millennial and not guilty. At one point I felt like everybody's it's all about money, but it's not all about money. But I think at the end of the day, when you, when you really dive into it, you realize that money doesn't have to be dirty. Only dirty people make money dirty. Money can yeah. be clean, it can be good, it can be used to do good.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I, I think that the, this model that we saw in capitalism, like it gets a bad rep, but conscious capitalism is Amen. is gorgeous. And and I think that's really what we're trying to do is you and I are trying to create awareness about what's going on out there, how we can use money to do good if you're mm-hmm. if you're intentional and you're conscious with you know, I think that's we're here to educate. But back to your story. Um, you said that you were, there was a program or like an event and then that you went to the event and that's kind of how you came in.
1: And, and that's how I, I learned about it. Yeah. You know, I said, I loved that social enterprise model they were doing. I love the idea that they were, um, helping women to get a job so they could take care of themselves i love that approach of you know teach someone to fish and right right so i thought that was beautiful and brilliant and i've always loved food i love cooking and so i thought hey this is this is a place for me so i dove in and you know something about me i'm either like all in or i'm not in and so you know i I was all in and <laughs> so I was helping that summer we were doing catering and they were doing weddings and you know at that point they were just happy to have any business and so if someone said I want a Moroccan themed wedding we would be like oh yeah sure we can do that but this is a workforce program like you know these aren't skilled skilled workers and so we
0: they're becoming it, skilled
1: they're becoming skilled yeah. but but when you change the menu up every weekend, right. like it creates stress and chaos and sounds it was, like a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, well for women with trauma, maybe not have been the, the best thing. So that was that was but it was so much fun. I mean we had so much fun together. And um so then I you know, that season ended and I saw that people on the staff they didn't have benefits. One person in particular was had looking for a new job because she was getting divorced, no benefits. And I thought, OK, we need to raise some money here. And so I started helping them start a fundraise fundraiser. And then.
0: Well, I'm thinking they, they struck gold when they found you because, you know, you're in your marketing, <laughs> the marketing. So yeah. you, it's. And I, I hate that there's truth to this. No matter how hard you work and how good you are at doing the thing in today's world, it's it's not enough. You know, and I hate, I don't want that statement to be true. Like I I wish four walls marketing was enough, and I think it can be enough. But you gotta be fucking good at what you do to, to be able to, to 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 get by on just four walls marketing. That you're so good and so different. Um, so yeah, I mean, to have somebody on staff that can help distill your message and yet get that clarity and, and develop the website and, and fine tune the seo What, like, what an asset you were
1: well yeah let me tell you that story so i was just volunteering at the time i don't even think i was on the board yet and i wasn't doing their website but they called me one day and said oh my gosh when it, it only happened somebody had um hacked the website and so if you if you were on it on a computer it was fine but if you accessed the website from a phone it went to a porn site and for us who are who are fighting human yeah. trafficking for customers that's, and people that's some twisted to humor go right th- exactly yeah. and so i like spent 24 hours creating a new website for him and you know like it was it was crazy just all those crazy things that happen in in business and you know when you're you're Kind of grassroots, rubbing nickels together, yeah. trying to build something. So you that's know? kind
0: of how you got to show that the the team what you what you had, what I had, what you're capable of doing. And they're like, oh, we got somebody here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, and um, and I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the people. I loved the mission. I was just all in. And then uh, was on the board. 2016, we were trying to figure out who the next leader of the organization would be. We interviewed, um, hired actually two different executive directors that shortly after they started, the board said, this is not the right fit for whatever one reason or another. After the second one, I very selfishly, I think said, um, why don't I step off and be the interim director? Because I knew that The responsibility would fall on me anyway.
0: So you stepped off the board. So I
1: stepped off the board and said, I'll be the director. But I I wanted that change so that I could make decisions and like kind of have the authority to do that without thinking I'm just kind of.
0: Was not this like it's weird to talk about a bigger program but at this time was the the program struggling was there like a lack of focus or lack of vision
1: there was there was there was a lack of um there, it was struggling financially it was struggling in in many areas i think um we had a vision of where we wanted to go but i think was it was this? struggling leadership and that was at 2016 okay. so 2015 and 2016 Got it. so in june of 2016 is when i stepped down i Made some immediate changes, hired a different chef, um, you hired a case manager. Because women would come to work with all kinds of problems. Mm. Like think – you just got an eviction notice. You come to work. What's on your mind? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose work. my house, yeah. right? So you're telling the sales manager about it. And she – loves you and wants to help you. She doesn't know anything about that, but she's dropping her stuff to help you figure this out, right? We have orders that need to get out. We have work that needs to get done. It just was constantly this turmoil. And so I thought if we had a case manager that could come in and help women with their, their everyday life and help them find the resources they need, then the chef and the sales manager can take care of the business, right, and 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 hopefully the thought was that things would go a lot smoother. So th- the brilliant thing there that had nothing to do with me was that um, someone for, that was in our program at the time, her name was April, came up to me. She was a supervisor. She says, "I'm in, in school at Columbus State, and I just got certified to do case management. Would you consider me?" So someone from our program stepped up into that into that role isn't that beautiful and she taught us so much like i've always said i come from more of a charity mentality um i grew up pretty privileged but with a family that gave a lot and volunteered a lot and that was embedded in me as a as a human um but my my mindset was more if someone doesn't have enough food for the week you know let's give them a gift card to kroger Let's give them a bus pass so they can get to work. Mm. And April, when we had that situation come up, said, yeah, you know, I want to take them shopping and teach them how to buy four pounds of ground beef and, and make that spread. And then I don't think that I, – I think they should pay it back. I don't think we should just give it to them because they're earning a paycheck. So, you know, and, and then I said, well, we we'll just take a little bit out of each paycheck she says, instead of just a little bit out of each paycheck, I think they should just pay me whatever they can in cash, so that they understand that paying back is a choice. Is yeah. yeah, and it's it's and it's empowering. So at the end, you pay that off, and you realize, okay, I got in this situation, they helped me out, I paid it back. Like, yeah, that's fulfilling.
0: It's something. It's something. There's something special about when you choose to do something mm-hmm. versus when you're being made to do something. Um, I'm pretty middle of the road when it comes politically when it comes to politics but when I worry about over-regulating and forcing Mm -hmm. people to do things Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be good for culture you know what I'm saying like but if you change the culture and you start judging people based off of the the social impact they have and it's not about the nice things you have but the power you have but if you're and I think we live in a very special time where we can see the social good people are doing because there's so so many touch points data out there so like if we start Comparing and judging people based off of the social good they do if they're millionaires and billionaires, but they're Mm. they're putting that money by by choice back into their communities, building programs, building like uh, refuge for people like. How awesome would that be?
1: I know, you know, I think more of that for sure. I think there
0: was a period of that. You look into like our history and you see like these super and maybe there was some tax evasion going on. I don't know. But like these big names Um and you see like these 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 buildings like I don't know the character of like Rockefeller, but his name's like coming to my mind mm-hmm. right now. But he was a gigantic philanthropist, wasn't he? How many things did he build in in his name? For sure. Like, like you, you like the like why don't we do more of that? Like maybe we do. I don't know. Maybe I'm sounding super ignorant.
1: I right now. well, I I don't think you're ignorant at all. I think there needs to be more of it. Yeah. But I, I will tell you, coming into the nonprofit world from the business world, I have been and continue to be humbled by the generosity of our community and and I feel like it's really people just need to know what you need mm. and sometimes it's us as you know the nonprofits not communicating well enough exactly yeah. what we need and where that where, what that need looks like
0: the universe needs to know in order yes, to
1: provide. Exactly. Yeah. And opportunities like this, you know, are, are great yeah. to just get the word out of what people are doing and what impact it's making. Right. And that's right? why
0: they say, write it down, say it out loud. Yeah. Like, what's the point of having a vision and core values? So it echoes, so people communicate, so you know, and then like you manifest that stuff. But I back to where we started, like I love that you're, instead of, Taking the money and like taxing the employee, you're establishing a culture, and you say this is how we do it. Yes, and like that culture, those values will stick with these women throughout their life.
1: Um, and we're starting to see that. Like that's the that's the beauty. It's been, you know, now eight years of this, and we're we're seeing the long term effect, and and these women thriving. Not that there's not relapse and hiccups and and. You know, like bumps though. in the road that just happens as well. But, you know, we have we're seeing women from come from our program, move here into management, but a lot going elsewhere and building a career and some of them circling back and coming back to, to work for us. And it's really neat to see. Yeah. Um, the, the language that we use here, that we learned from that lesson, is um, how do we empower instead of enable? Mm. So, anytime someone needs assistance, we th- run it through that lens. Are we empowering? If we if we help someone by paying their rent this month, are we empowering them or enabling? Right. So, so the difference would be okay. If if you need help with your rent because you're working an hourly wage and you were off for a week and a half because you were sick or your kids were sick. Like, that's empowering. Like, you're you're still working. You just have this hiccup. If we help you, we're just going to help you keep moving forward. Right. So that's a time when we would step in and pay their rent for them. But if you've quit your job, you haven't found anything else, you just quit abruptly, and you don't have a plan for moving forward, if we help you with that, then – what are you going to do next month? Yeah. You know,
0: this is some good stuff that, <laughs> yeah. that I think regardless of whether or not you're in a nonprofit or you're a for-profit restaurant, like this is my mission statement is to inspire, empower and transform the industry. But it's very, those it's very intentional because I think we, we, we inspire people by giving them the values by saying, Hey, be a part of this vision that I have. And like, Hey, you can do anything you put your mind to, but you can't just tell people that you can do it. You, you have to empower them. Yeah. You have to recreate yourself and others by giving them the skills, by paying for the lessons on how to run a business, so you can remove yourself from the business and and focus on the next project, right? So, yeah. so I think these 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 lessons that you're dropping on us are very transferable. I want to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. When we come back, let's dive deeper into what empowerment looks like and how you do that here, so okay. we can transfer those lessons to the the greater restaurant industry. If you're tired of the other tater, you ought to try Tater cakes because it's time to serve the tater your guests deserve. Tater cakes are shredded potatoes mixed with delicious flavors, all the best parts of a baked potato in the perfect handheld package. From the freezer to the fryer to your guests, Tater cakes comes in a variety of flavors, including bacon cheddar chive, buffalo chicken, bacon jalapeno, and more. And I got to hone in a little bit deeper here on this deliciousness. Bacon cheddar chive features creamy cheddar cheese, big bacon bites, sour cream, in a hint of chives, and of course, crispy, crunchy potatoes. Mm. Sign me up for that. You can serve them in a variety of different ways and in many different applications, great for dining, in delivery, and to-go. With all the uncertainties in the world today, we should be certain that our food always has great flavor, and Tater Kegs provides that comfort in every bite. Request samples at TaterKegs.com, that's T-A-T-E-R-K-E-G-S.com, TaterKegs.com. Most business
1: problems are people problems, people not understanding each other, and the Predictive Index helps to increase that understanding between others. Hi, I'm Ed Doherty. I am the founder of One Degree Coaching here in Philadelphia.
0: Predictive Index is a talent optimization platform it's been around for over 55 years. It helps leaders to build happier, high-performing teams. My name is Eric DiCacciatore. I'm the founder and host of Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. As somebody who's gone through the PI process, I can tell you that knowing who you are, knowing who your team is, can help you be far more intentional than you've ever been with your business. If you want to learn more about PI and get to work with Ed, head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash try PI. If you click the
1: link, sign up for PI, you can create a provisional account. I will set up an opportunity to talk to you directly and read your results and give you a little tour of the platform. See if it works
0: for you. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash try PI. Okay, we're back. Uh, so, when we last uh, left off, you were talking about um, the difference between enabling and empowering. So, what does that process of empowerment look like? Is there a step by step process? Like, how do you guys, I mean, you kind of got into it a little bit, mm-hmm. but really pull back the layers. Like, what's your advice on empowering
1: somebody? I, I think it's a culture. And, like, you know, kind of think the example that I gave of just looking at the, the The approach that you're giving, are you empowering or enabling? Something that you referred to earlier too is um, giving choices and making letting someone choose. Um, You know, we study trauma a lot here and try to see things through that trauma lens as well. And you know, to give someone options as opposed to telling them what they're going to do that is empowering, right? You're like, and, and so when you're having a difficult conversation with someone we spend time thinking okay what are what are their options you can do this or you can do this but you choose you can choose to you know continue the program but if you miss another day of work then I'm sorry but you're you'll be terminated or you can decide you know what this is not the right time for me to be doing this program and I'm gonna step out now and then come back when I'm ready like you know like how, how do you want to get there? So we, we under, you know, we're not changing our expectations. Our expectations are you need to get be here, and if you're not here, you're going to end up gone. But you have the choice of are you going to continue to do this, You know, continue to try, and you're going to show up to work, or you're going to say, you know what, it's right now I'm not ready. Got so, it.
0: So it was, what's going through my mind is uh, the difference between, uh, between trust and track and mm. command and control. And those are very different yes. models, right? Where command and control is like you do this when I tell you how I tell you and I'm not giving yes. you the skills. I'm just commanding you and controlling the situation where trust and track is like you you give people the, the skills. You train them to teach them how to do it on their own and you trust them to make the right decisions because you've empowered them. You've and then them. you track on the back end what they're doing by having the data, the touch points. And when they start to go off course, you say, hey. I noticed the numbers are off. What's going on? Yes. Like, help me understand. And then empower them. And you help them correct. And it's a coaching situation.
1: I am going to use that. Trust yeah. and track. Nick Cerello.
0: I, I can't take credit for it. Nick Cirillo, um, Nick's University, uh, author of A Slice of the Pie. Okay. Great book. Great dude.
1: Okay. I'm yeah. reading it. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Adam, uh, he was a multi-repeat guest on the show. Um, but that actually... We, on that note of uh, when I pulled back layers on him on trust and track, I was like, well, how do you like, what does that, that, that empowerment look like? Mm-hmm. So what is your, so to your point, you said you have to give them the choice mm-hmm. and help them. To, and these things seem like obvious things, but when you, when you think of people who came up and they didn't have that guidance early on, I'm thinking about like service right now. Um, you have people who are incarcerated mm-hmm. and they spent their, their young lives, learning how to be in jail, not learning how to be an adult, you know, not, they don't get those skills. Um, and we take it for granted. And I would imagine somebody who's in a very command and control situation as a, a trafficked individual, you know, like tell me that's not command and control. Yes. Like tell me the, the jail system isn't command and control for sure. You know, like,
1: and, and how do we create a space that doesn't that isn't command and control when you're, trying to run a business these like are very, there are certain things yeah. it's such it's such a delicate balance like there are certain things that you just have to do every yeah. day and
0: these people just don't have the soft skills because they would never yes. had to make those decisions everything was decided for them
1: that's exactly right yeah. or you know the authority when someone's telling you something or correcting you and like like accepting feedback and correction is a skill that is really difficult to to learn if you haven't been taught that early in your life, so as as an adult, yeah, to bring people in and have have that that issue, um, you know, we have we have people walk out and quit, yeah. you know, because there's that that um, flight. Mm, what's the what's the f- freeze freezer flee, um, you know, reaction to any kind fight of or flight. Fight or flight. Yeah, it's at the yeah. same freezer. Freeze? There's freeze in there too. But okay. um, but people just like have left and left the restaurant and in any other place, it'd be like, okay, they've just quit. You know, at Freedom, we call them up. Okay, how you doing? Like, what happened there? What what caused this trigger for you to do this? Let's try it again. You know. Yeah. And bring them back. So we have someone who is now um, our assistant catering manager. And we, we laugh about how many times she quit. She must have quit a five or six times and left. And then we're like, no, you're coming back. Like, <laughs> she just had a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so I think, I mean, back on this this, this vein of um, empowerment, I think maybe it might make sense to talk about what the um, four phases are. Mm-hmm. Because I think in the empowerment is in, in embedded within that, is it not?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, a, a lot of what we're doing is just breaking down barriers, right? So the the first um, three to four months of the program, phase one, someone's coming in, we're giving them probably around three days on the job, and we're making sure that they're getting to work, they're Kind of learning how to receive and give that feedback, getting
0: the lay of the land. Yeah,
1: just getting comfortable with with all of that responsibility, but also like working out how am I gonna how am I gonna get there? Like that can be a huge barrier. Um, what about childcare? Like who's taking care of my kids, and so working with them to make sure that they have those things covered, so that they can.
0: So you're get acclimating to work on them time. to the, the physical to space. To just to work,
1: yeah, just to get back into work, and then like figuring what's out that the
0: logistics, like? taking away the nose, the, it, the barriers that the the things that could get in the way of you coming to
1: work. Exactly. Yeah. And so you know, at those first four months, they need to be, you know, consistently coming to work, and that's in you know being productive while they're here. Yeah. Um, the next phase is pretty long. So that's like from four, four to 18 months. Let's
0: just drop the four phases real quick. Big picture. Then we'll come back and dissect them. So phase one is catch. C A T C H Court Restorative Justice Support. Or what's okay, that? nope. Okay, I... so
1: those those are the four programs. that oh, we do Oh, programs. Here. I so apologize. So those are four programs that we I'm do. I'm getting my
0: wires crossed. Um. So go through the four phases. Let's
1: do the four phases, and then I'll touch on the other programs yes. that we do. Thank you. So the, the second phase, eight to uh, four to eighteen months, is when they're they're being productive. Like, they're a member of the team. But they're really spending time on on what they want to do. So that's when our workforce development specialist is working with them on – we do an Enneagram assessment. Like, what are your strengths? Like, how do you think? And then we might do some aptitude tests. What are you interested in? Um, and really kind of helping them to discover themselves, right?
0: Self-awareness, put, putting them on a track. What are yeah, you interested like in? like,
1: what – let's just – we um, then – at the end of that period and into phase three, phase three is when they're getting ready to phase phase out. Um, so you're really looking at your, your resume, but we do a shadowing program and an internship program. So shadowing would be, gosh, you know, I'm thinking I might like to get into construction. I'm going to go shadow someone over there and we'll, we'll, them up with somebody to shadow for for a day we pay them so that they're not without without income that day and they shadow and we give them like three opportunities to do shadowings and then we also offer an internship so if there's something they really like then we can make an arrangement with that employer for them to intern we pay that so we pay the employee for that time and that's 40 hours that we that we pay
0: that's phase three
1: that's phase 3 and then how many uh,
0: months into the program is that after 8 so months so
1: that's that's after 18 months
0: 18 months okay so, they, so the first phase is 3 months 3 to 4 3 to 4 and then, and four, then, then to four, eight, to 4 to 18 4 to 18 I, okay, and I then
1: yeah 18 to 2 years is that last phase out so they're transitioning out they're getting excited about leaving you know change for anyone is hard especially individuals that have you know really really complex trauma that's right it it's a positive change but it's still really hard yeah. so just trying to set the stage for all uh, the positivity behind that um is important to us and then phase 4 is when they are in another job right they've transitioned out but we, we're working on job retention so we're staying sticking with them hey how's it going let's get together have lunch We get all those phase four participants together. Yeah, now we do. um, But maybe
0: they wouldn't be getting it at their full time job, so you provide it to help them stay. Yes,
1: just like job coaching is what we call it. Yeah. Now, um, all the participants do get trauma counseling here in the building once a week from a counselor. And that and we that's why they're on the clock as well, because keeping up with that counseling and that men- mental health yeah. fitness is so important. So we value that. And that was something kind of COVID taught us was yeah. how important that was. You know,
0: this is something that I was hoping it would come out earlier and I kind of skipped over because we kind of got straight into what the program is. But can you paint the picture of like what these women are going through in terms of like the different types of trauma that they might be experiencing and just help us empathize with these women.
1: Yeah. Um so so the thing that that is on my heart these days in listening to the stories and and learning new numbers is that you know 98% of the women we work for have been sex trafficked, okay? So uh, a lot of them have been referred to as prostitutes in some way or another. I saw
0: some crazy number, like 29,000 people in Ohio. That's right. In the past year.
1: Every year is that's the estimate now of how many is happening in Ohio. I I had no clue. Right? Because it's, it's not, you're not seeing it out, you know, out in the world. So let me tell you this number. That's going to blow your mind. A little over 40% of sex trafficking um, victims are first trafficked by a family member, wow,
0: seventy-eight oh, percent,
1: over forty percent, over
0: forty. Did I hear seventy-eight percent someplace? I don't know where I bought that number. Over forty percent by a family member,
1: by a family member. So how are how are those victims saved? Right when it's oh, in like, your family, right. like who do you reach out to for help?
0: That's all you know as that's, the, the victim. That's
1: it. Like and you're and it typically happens when you're a child, right? right. So where's your safe zone?
0: Yeah, and it's how relativity, does, you know, like the relative to their world, they don't know any different. They don't know what that something that maybe they don't know it's wrong. Maybe that's just exactly they, that's yeah. what
1: they've grown up seeing. Yeah, so that's how you define love. That's how you define relationships. That's how you see your worth. Like that's that's your worth is oh, this is why why I was created because yeah. this is who I am and so this is what I'm.
0: Is is sex trafficking any level of prostitution?
1: Um, or like, what about it, people it who is. do
0: prostitution but by, by choice?
1: Very, there's very few that does happen.
0: Well, I'm, I'm thinking and, like different cultures. Like, for example, in like Thailand, like I know it's almost like being a hairdresser. Like, and I like it's, and I don't yep. mean to say that lightly. But you go, and my impression when I was there is like, these women aren't like, you know, they're they're just publicly like they're just okay with it, and they they're proud of it to almost degree and it's weird and somebody had to explain to me like it's just a different culture
1: and and that could be too yeah but i i do think there's there's a misunderstanding that can be perceived as i'm okay with this like Mm -hmm. i'm doing this because i want to um there's a lot of manipulation happening behind the scenes so even women that are sex trafficked here that that we work with when you Talk to them shortly out of the life. they like, "No, I I chose that. That was my decision." But the more that they work on their trauma and understand, they realize, "Oh, I was manipulated." Like, no, I couldn't. I could. I couldn't stay in that house unless I went out and had and had right. sex. There's more. Like that there was you don't more. See. Yeah, and it's it's a mind game. Like traffickers mm. prey on vulnerable people. And so they're, they're preying on those vulnerabilities. You want, you, you know, you, you want love. I'll give you love. You need a place to stay. Oh gosh, I'll give you the best place to stay. It's incredible, you know, and just understanding those things and they, they pull them in, create that relationship, that bond. And then all of a sudden it turns. Okay. I've, I've been putting you up here for two months now. You got to go, you got to pay you got to pay your rent mm. you need to step in this room here and have sex with these guys and then yeah and then yeah. you're like okay I, you know he loves me i need to do this for him because mm. he loves me so that that level of manipulation it's so manipulative yeah. and so when you have that manipulation in your life for so long and it's embedded in you trying to help get out of that like trying to help women see that yeah we're your employer and we're trying to give you instructions. We need you to do this and this and this, but it's, you know, it's not a manipulation. It's part of life. right? And how do you balance that? So there's a lot of trust building and, um, that's why it's a two-year program. Like yeah. these, these habits and these thought patterns don't change you, in two months. Right? No,
0: I mean the, the the brain is very plastic and it has the ability to change, but it takes yes. time and repetition and habit building. And that's really what you're doing is you're developing new right. habits and you're you're rewiring the brain and saying like the, exactly like you have to overcome challenges. That's how you get out of the situation is by persisting. In doing the hard thing in the discipline, exactly. Yeah.
1: We have um, a mentorship program that's really important because when your family is at the center of your trafficking experience and your trauma, you know who do you have for support to support you as you're changing your life and trying to go in a different direction, mm-hmm. right? There's there's constantly we hear about that pull from family members to who do you think you are? You're so hot you know, because you're not doing drugs anymore or, you know, you're you're going to school. Who do you think you are? Like, they're not supported. Yeah. They're not supported in those really important decisions. It's
0: the the lowest 1% of society that just, you can't break those people out of, of their culture. It's you a know? cultural and, thing, yeah. for sure. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, ta- Speaking with Strangers or Talking to Strangers, I think is the name of the book. Um, but it's like the... We we tend to generalize an entire neighborhood for being like a bad neighborhood mm-hmm. when it's really just usually like one house that's responsible. So it's like the one percent that people generalize like that whole community's messed up. Yeah. You know, and like it's this these one percent of people within these communities that just bring everything down, you know? Um what's going through your mind as I share that?
1: seems really low to me.
0: Yeah, I mean... Like,
1: I don't know. I think that there's, like I said, when I think of 40% of sex trafficking victims being trafficked by their families, um, I just think there's so much going on behind closed doors. I live in in Union County here in Columbus, which is, um, you know, a rural community. Yeah. And they have an organization there that helps human trafficking. And I've, you know, been meeting with them recently to find out more how can we support you etc and like like i'm like tell me about what's happening in union county for human trafficking and it's it's the families and a lot of it's um associated with their religion so those religions where and and i'm a woman of faith so the, these things like right. really get to me because i think how can you be using the word of god to you know, justify this horrible behavior, but you know, that submission, submission to authority, submission to your husband, submission to men and taking you know, selling, selling their, their women for, for sex. Like that's just disgusting. And so, you know, you don't, you're, you're not seeing it. You just don't see it, but it's definitely there. It's everywhere.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I know another thing that you, that society really challenge is challenged with struggles is that we see these women who are in those positions and they it's hard for them to get opportunity. Mm-hmm. Why is it hard for them to get opportunity? What are the challenges? These women, even if they are able to escape on their own or, you know, they have this 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 uh, history about them. Why might might it be hard for
1: them to, to well, get a job? Yeah. Well, they have a criminal background, mm-hmm. right? They have no. No job experience. A lot of them um, don't have an education. We're helping so many to get their GED or high school diplomas. Right. So those are those are all barriers. Literacy is a barrier. Um, you know, housing can be a barrier. There's a stigma There's out there just, too. Like, well, that's like, let's just know, be honest. Well, absolutely. Now, you know, if you're looking for a job, you're not usually telling them. Somebody about,
0: finds out, or it's yeah, through the rumor mill, like, oh, you. Were a prostitute oh
1: i know like
0: okay. i'm not gonna hire you like
1: yep. yes
0: gross you know like and i'm i'm i don't think these things you know what i'm saying but like let's be honest that's that's the the undertone like the, the 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 silent the voice in your head the things we're saying to our in our mind when we're thinking of these people you know
1: yes and there's the opposite where there are still you know um people out there purchasing sex who mm. are like Purchasing, you know, like... You, know, it's a, you it's mentioned a, goes, that. Yeah.
0: And I was like, is that another challenge you have to deal with? Do you get a lot of creeps coming into this place?
1: We, we don't. We haven't really had that challenge. Yeah. Now, I, I do want to explain. We have a hybrid model here. So, half the kitchen staff is in the program, half are not. Okay. And so, when you come to Freedom, you don't know who's in the program, who's not in the program. Um, but you do get customers that come in and will say, so... You were a prostitute. Were you on Sullivan Avenue? And like, people are like, "Oh my gosh!" Now we have to train with our staff on what to how to respond to these, how do they
0: respond to that? Th-
1: these crazy people. First, <sighs> let me say, don't ever say that to someone. Right? Like, that's not an appropriate question,
0: especially if they're looking to get away from that. Situation. Yeah,
1: or they've been away yeah, from it. And a, that's like, who?
0: Yeah,
1: that's not why we're here. Um, no, our response is a. We, we all have, we're all here supporting this cause. We don't reveal who's had that experience and who hasn't, but we appreciate you being here. Like, can I get you a coffee? Like, you know, like just Well, redirect. I was
0: curious, is it, so every, so not everybody who works at Freedom a la Carte is in the program.
1: Exactly. Got it. Yep. Got it. And, um, we just, we, you know, we just had a brainstorm about that because we are looking at expansion, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point, but, um, you know, is is this the right model for us to have, that hybrid model? And, you know, I, we've concluded that it is. Like, there's a lot of support and teaching and empathy that goes on amongst those that are not in the program and those that are. There's just a really beautiful relationship that happens. Um, and part two to that is, you know, we're learning as an organization that the needs, the need for empathy, empowerment, um, resources doesn't stop at those in our program. Like it's, it's the whole staff, right? Everyone needs counseling, right? We shouldn't just be giving counseling to those in the program.
0: Well, how do you integrate somebody into society if they're just, if they're not fully integrated, you know? So if you're with other people who are experiencing the same challenges, like that's your, that's your perspective. Right. But if you, if you, if you weave in, People who were more fortunate and had the the, the values instilled yeah. at a young age, it's kind of easier to acclimate to that. You are the average of those you surround yourself with, so I can see the the benefit of that.
1: That that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Where um, and
0: it's also probably good for the people who don't have.
1: Oh yeah, they those love backgrounds
0: it. because now they get to see how fortunate they are. You know,
1: it's and what, and the, there's, um, I think the. The thing that comes out of it is that we realize we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Like we've all had different traumas in our life. Now the traumas of these individuals is a lot more severe. But we can relate. Like we're, there are trigger things that trigger us. Yeah. And we're all learning from each right. other. Like um, so much wisdom in this building that I – you know, you – as the leader, I realize you know you got to surround yourself with others because you know they, they got to teach you how to do this. My, I
0: can't say I have experience with a prostitute. I'm happy to say that, <laughs> <laughs> but I can say that I, I have spent six months in Thailand and the culture yeah. over there. And I like the first I did two years, three months each year. And by the end of my first time over there, because the I don't know if you've ever been to Thailand. I have not. So um, the way that. I, my understanding of like the bar is just hire women. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the women work for the bar. Uh, and I just remember if, if you go to a bar, like there's, there's going to be, there. you're going to be surrounded by prostitutes. And I just remember thinking to myself, like it's so normal. Like how is this so normal? Like how are they just, and like there, there's no hiding it. Like there it's, it's just, it's just, and it's literally hundreds of women like around, like down the street. Um, you can go to a bar and not pay for someone's company. Yeah. Um, but I just remember being like, that was my, before that experience, I just remember thinking to myself, kind of to the points that I made earlier, mm-hmm. I was guilty of thinking less of these people, mm-hmm. you know, but by being around them and being like upfront, like I'm not here for those services, I'm here to, to play pool and to hang out with the, the gentleman I know here, we're all just here to hang out. Um, you really quickly realize that they're just like everybody else. They are. You know? And I.
1: They're someone's daughter, right? They're someone's sister.
0: Actually, I can't say that I've never paid a prostitute because I think that once I wanted somebody to play pool with, and I was like, <laughs> but the rules are. I can't give you time unless you pay me. And I was like, okay, here's some money. Let's play pool. <laughs> like, it's I get it. You're working. The
1: best, the best night of her life,
0: I'm yeah. Sure. Like, i Yeah. And Mike goes, oh, like, I get that. Like, I don't want to get you in trouble, you know? Like, so I was like, yeah, like, here's, here's, like, you buy a drink is basically the rule. Like, if you buy them a drink, it's, like, not a real drink. It's just, like, the money's going to the house this is how it works. Um, so, like, yeah. And, like, but you, the point I'm trying to make is that, when you spend time with these people, you realize all people are, are just the same, you know, and they're at the end of the day, they're, they're real people who are, th- that act just like everybody else. And it's just all they know. Yeah. You know? And
1: something horrible has happened to them and we're helping them to recover from yeah. that. You know, that's, that's, that's the beauty. Yeah. Um, helping them see their worth. Cause you can imagine when you've been on that victim, victim side,
0: do you have success stories that you can tell? Oh like my gosh. I don't know what, what you're privileged to share.
1: Um, Well, I won't won't share names. I told you about April, who Mm -hmm. was our case manager, and she ended up buying her own home and all kinds of um, wonderful things. Um, We have someone on on staff who was one of the first people in our program. She went to work at the – which we helped her get a job at the courthouse. She worked in the prosecutor's office, so she would talk about – for years, the people that actually put her in handcuffs were her colleagues, now her colleagues. She worked her way up there, became a victim's advocate, and then several years later became a bailiff for the judge, uh, Judge Paul Herbert, who's also presides over um, the catch court. And what, two years ago, she circled back and now works here at Freedom. So She is a trauma expert. She's advocating for women like that's So here at Freedom, we have the six women on the management team who have been through a part of our program and are now working for us. But um, there's so many, so many success stories. Women um, now helping other women. So we started to talk about the different programs. So Catch Court is a specialty docket here in Franklin County. So if someone's arrested and they have prostitution or solicitation or something in their history or they've been identified as a victim, they can go through this two-year probationary program where they're getting um, recovery, their treatment, they're getting counseling, and then we work alongside them as well to help do the mentorship, we'll give them a mentor and help them get an ID, like whatever those things type are work on their GED, all those things. From there, um, we also built what we called in addition to workforce development, the butterfly program. So, we realized that people were graduating from treatment but still struggling through life, you know, like we said this this process doesn't end after 6 months. It Lingers on, so our butterfly program is for those who are out of the life for at least six months, six months sober, and continues for the rest of their life. And like we said, we'll step in and help them as needed to keep them self sufficient. We have about three hundred women in that program, and so those are the success stories. So
0: you've covered the first three programs, right? Yep, Catch, and then that- which is the court restorative, restorative mm-hmm. uh, justice support. Uh, the robust workforce development program, which is what's happening within the restaurant, where you're correct. Yep, and then there's the the continuing support thereafter, the
1: butterfly, the butterfly program, and then we just added a housing program. Yeah, so where we're, we're really working closely to um to to get housing for the women, and I won't go more into that because th- yeah, that's but but housing's an issue like yeah. housing, and so we're get really into why you want to do it. Well, um. We had this really great partnership, and then um, that just fell through recently. I'm sorry. To hear um, that. I know. You know, it's crazy
0: how many empty homes, buildings there are, especially after the pandemic. Please. Okay. So
1: I should really give this a pitch because somebody might know. Yeah. So, okay. So let me just tell this quick story. Going back to April when she was our first case manager and I said she bought a house. So she was getting ready to move out of her apartment. And so we went to her landlord and she said, Hey, I had a criminal record. You took a chance on me. I was a great tenant, always paid on time. Now I'm leaving to buy a house would you consider renting to one of the women in this program that were that I'm in and um, oh they said absolutely so in her complex of like eight apartments at one point we had five of our participants in that apartment complex and it created this organic magical community of support where we we weren't holding the lease but they were supporting each other checking in on each other holding each other accountable hey you know, and that how do we replicate that so fast forward beginning of this year, we entered a partnership with an apartment complex, and with the idea that we would be moving women into this this complex um, and creating that same that same atmosphere, they would have subsidized housing. But we would provide the support to help them succeed, make sure that they're working. You know, we're there to kind of as that a safety net, not holding the lease. But um, unfortunately, we just got word that they're, they've sold that property. Oh, bummer. Yeah, so we're looking for for an alternative that we're still helping women find housing. It's just not going to be in that particular building.
0: It just blows but, my mind that there is empty buildings. Yeah, so many empty buildings just sitting empty office buildings, empty, and it's just like. This is back to like, if we're gonna change the world, like, like how about some of these rich people just like,
1: yeah, help us by like, building that. Yeah, but like there's
0: with the amount of empty buildings there are and the amount of food that gets thrown away yes. every day, it's like there shouldn't be no hungry people and no people on the streets, you know, like and that's one of the things I believe as somebody who is a capitalist, yeah. I believe that food should be free if you need it shelter should be free if you need it and healthcare should be free if you need it you know if you if you eliminate those three things that's where the majority of income goes for most underprivileged people into food housing and health yeah if you if you provide security around those three things like you free up so much cash flow for the experience economy aka the restaurant industry. I'm not saying everybody gets free food. I'm saying like, if you're in a situation like you should have the most basic needs taken care of. Right. And if you want more than that, then you go work for it. But like, if you want to be an artist, then you can go live in a situation where you can be an artist. You know, like I think what you'll find is more people than not want more aspiration than that. And if you want more then go work for more, but like, how much money are we spending on just trying to like fix problems? You know what I'm saying?
1: I totally know. Like, I totally know what you're saying.
0: How much money just, or how much food just gets thrown away? How many buildings are just empty? That's. It's like, can we just be a little bit more efficient? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know.
1: It gets overwhelming. All of the yeah. issues that need to be addressed can can really be consuming. So I so if say, you're listening like, pick
0: one. <laughs> you own property. I, yeah, that's true. In Ohio, um, call Paula. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have an opportunity to share your contact information. Uh, We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be back. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting. with accuracy checklist budgeting for the entire year scheduling for profit more butts in seats and that's not it often the team at restaurant systems pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks i mean it's hard out there but because of that a lot of the time these restaurant tours don't follow through because they have no skin in the game for that reason there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. This episode made possible by owner.com. Owner.com is the quickest and easiest way for your customers to order directly from you without the expensive 30% commission fees. Look. With Owner.com, you'll save thousands every month when customers order through your website and branded app instead of third-party delivery apps and reward your customers with a built-in loyalty program that turns them into regulars who order again and again. Owner.com also helps you rank higher on Google with world-class search engine optimization built specifically for restaurants with an AI-powered website. We cannot forget lists. Build a huge list of people who live near your restaurant fast and market to that list on autopilot with text and email sent at the perfect time to help you grow sales and stay top of mind. Owner.com gives you everything you need to grow and market your restaurant online with no contracts or hidden fees. Visit owner.com slash unstoppable right now to book your free demo and see why thousands of restaurant owners trust owner.com to power their restaurants online. We're back. Um I got so lost in just conversation with you around the history of Freedom A la carte and the programs, but like let's actually get it. You are a cafe. Yes. You are, are a catering company. Um you are successful in your operation. So to get more into like the, the, the restaurant and how that came to be
1: yeah, so we I, we talked about doing the catering business. So the catering business was from 2011, and then in two, I mean, yeah, and then 2021. So ten years later, we opened our cafe. So we had always had this dream of something front facing, where somebody didn't have to order ten box lunches in order to support our mission and find out about it. So the vision, everything started during COVID. I was all of a sudden I was in the middle of a capital campaign to raise money and COVID hit and no one wants to support right. a restaurant. Right. Right. So so that took a little bit longer than expected. But April twenty twenty one, we opened the cafe front facing again, really trying to design a space and an experience where people come in and think, Wow, this food is great. It looks it's great. It's beautiful. I right? know where I'm
0: eating lunch before my road back my road awesome. trip back to New Hampshire
1: that don't judge me you got to try the don't judge me
0: i saw that yeah. i love the branding on that too
1: named in honor of judge herbert yes okay. um but anyway the the space too i hope you find is really beautiful because we f- you know we think that people wa- want to enjoy a beautiful space but also we deserve a beautiful space. I'm like the women lie. we're serving deserve a beautiful I was, space. I
0: was expecting to walk into a non-profit.
1: Yes, please. <laughs> yes, and it's not, And I right? was
0: surprised. I was like, oh, this place is nice. Yes. Like, And like you would Thank never. You. Yeah,
1: of course. I think that's important, yeah. right? non should should not mean, you know, poverty. Right. So I love that the community has supported us in that and helping us to provide that beautiful space. But it's a business. So if people are going to come back again and again, you got to, create an environment where you want to. I actually studied trauma design and incorporated some of those elements into the design of the space throughout the building. Just in detail? Um, The whitewashed brick is all just bringing that lightness into the space. All of the natural light. When we have a tour, you'll see in the kitchen, we actually have a a window, which is unheard of because you need that wall space for storage. But just bringing that natural light in Mm. just adds something. Um, the plants, the different textures. I think, I think we forget like we were meant, we're, we
0: were meant to be outside. We are. We evolved outside, you know? Um, so we forget the significance of having that sunlight come in and like, they're like, I'm assuming if somebody was kind of kept away, you know, didn't really have the freedoms of being able to go out. I don't know how extreme it got for some of the people in your program, but Mm -hmm. by having that natural light, I'm sure it definitely helps. Yes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so those, those are elements that, that happened. Um, but coming to the realization of, I mean how we got here, I think the, one of the lessons I learned along the way was to think more like a business instead of a nonprofit like I've always, I've always patted myself on the back, I guess, as having an entrepreneurial approach. But when it came to looking at spaces for a cafe, I was really um, sucked into people coming to me and saying, Oh, I've got this great space, I can give you a deal, kind of looking at all these different locations. um, I was we were we were looking at a space in Franklinton, which is like an up and coming new 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 area of Columbus, and I was pitching to a group of funders. And Tim McCarthy, who owns several Raising Canes, um, said to me, "Why this space?" And I went through my whole spiel. Oh, it's up and coming. It's great. I was connected with a local restaurateur who would help us, give us consulting, etc. And he said, "You know." He said, your food is too freaking awesome to lo- locate here and ha- wait for people to find you. You need to go where the people are. You're going to pay more in rent, but you're going to make it up in sales. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I've been looking at this so totally wrong. And so we went back and we created a location analysis, like what are all the our top needs from a business standpoint yeah, well, as well as a market like, yes. like what,
0: where's the, that money you know
1: yeah like we need it to be downtown right that's it, the women need access the bus access here it's all starts downtown so um you know they need access to court and all the, the different resources that they need throughout the day um our catering business like if you're downtown you can get anywhere in the city so so easily mm-hmm we were we had been up in the suburbs for a couple years and so just kind of looking at it through that new lens led us to where we are now and just helped us to look at this in such a in such a new way i mean i was ready to push the button on that other location yeah. and i was so grateful for that that wisdom
0: it's almost like you it's like you're, you're trying to do something elevated, right? Yes. But at the same time, you feel like because of – what what made you feel like that location was right for you? The one here? No, the other location that wasn't there. Well,
1: I guess um, it was up and coming, kind of a cool place. It was kind of an area where, um, where trafficking used to happen. And so I thought there was kind of a connection there to – our programming there was plenty of space for parking um and it was it was a nice sized building so i thought we could kind of do what we needed to do in that space um yeah so
0: so it it felt almost like i'm trying to i'm trying to choose the words wisely okay um so it almost felt like um it felt appropriate because the the people in the program f- were from that area, yes,
1: like a comfortable.
0: Right, but and if like, you're trying to really transform, you got to pull people out of that area and get them. Even to, though, yes, yeah,
1: and it, even even though the area was transforming, I think there there's more power in pulling people out and showing them a new part, right. a new part of the city. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah. Um, can you help me understand the business model a little bit more? Cause so you are a nonprofit yes, um, and you're trying to stop thinking like a nonprofit. And I, I'm happy you said that because I, I kind of give, I don't like the idea of nonprofits because I think that it kind of suggests that business can either be bad or good. And it's mm-hmm. just like, can we just do away with nonprofits and just say like, doing social service yeah yeah
1: yeah (laughs)
0: like so like that's my like that's my resistance against nonprofits because i feel like it's it's kind of like minimum wage it's like this is okay to pay people no it's not like that's like like let's them let let the market decide exactly you know and like yes i think by saying like hey like if you if you want to do good then you should be a nonprofit it suggests that profit's bad yes you know and it's like profit's not bad Profits good. Yeah. Like we need to All start. This is
1: a, it's a tax right classification. What you
0: do with yeah. your profit can be yeah. bad or good. Yeah. But I think that w- but profit can be so much good can be done with profit. Yeah. Um. And I and that's kind of my hope is that teaching people that doing good is good business. Mm. Um, but so how about me understand the business model?
1: Yeah. So the social enterprise, which is the cafe and the catering, and then we have a small merchandise line, um, makes about 52% of our, of our total revenue. Yeah. The balance of that is grants, donations, and, um, you know, special events that we do to raise money. So it's all money raised and that supports basically those other three programs. So the workforce development program is pretty self-sufficient. The business earns uh you know um, at the second year so this is the end of the second year and the business will with the cafe will make a profit. Okay. And then that you know in in theory supports um, the programming.
0: Okay. So you so it's, it's, in a way, it's kind of like this idea of what I'm trying to educate restaurant owners to do. With this, so it's profit sharing. So like instead of sharing the profit with the employee, you're paying them a wage, but you're sharing the profit with the program.
1: Correct. Yes. So yes. It's, it's
0: just it's just splitting up profit. Yes. So it's it's like whatever your cause is. And this is conscious capitalism. You know, it's, it's saying, hey, like, let's. First, we're going to use our business to create awareness about an issue, mm-hmm. you know, and we're 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 being a part of the solution where we are our, our mission. Like you are in the transformation economy. So I literally just had Joe Pine. He was the episode that was that goes live just before you. Okay. And we talk about how that the the economies have been evolving or the economies went from like the. The commodities to the goods to the service economy to the experience and then we're kind of like in the experience economy right now where people are are really like you know the service economy was all about like being more like outsourcing people to do things to get more time back Mm -hmm. and now the experience economy is we have time like what are we going to do with our time to create an experience and the transformation economy is what we're going into right now and this is how do we use experiences over time to transform people so like what you might think about is like hey like I am going to join this lifestyle brand that's a restaurant but also does retreats meditation and wellness so your the goal for the restaurant or the lifestyle brand is to transform the customer from mm-hmm. hey you're out of shape unhappy all these other things. Like we're going to take you and help you become a better person. And that's what you're doing with your employees, it you is. know? And you, you're and also- it's
1: And I just want to clarify, it's not just those in our program. Like we, we do those things for the entire staff. It's really important to me as a leader that we're taking care of people and they're, they're valued and they're fairly compensated. Um, so that's all kind of that entrepreneurial mindset, I guess. One of the first things when I became leader was um, unlimited PTO. Like this is really hard work, mm-hmm. and if if you build a team you trust, then they should be able to take time when they want time. Like some days you just feel like I can't I can't do it today. Right. And I, so like all of these different benefits and ways that you know ways of thinking, um, like like I told you we take the week off between Christmas and New Year's and we pay everybody the hourly salaries uh, the hourly employees we pay up um, based on their two week two pay periods prior we take the average of their hours and we pay them that so so that people can take the time off rest restore but not feel stressed because right. they're not making that income
0: right uh, I mean I could argue that you're so you're in the, the business of the transformation your employees obviously. Uh, yeah. I think that in in the transformation economy, the the guest is the product, in the sense that like you are working on oh, them. Yeah. But I think if you're taking enlightened hospitality into account, it starts with working with your employees, right? So. I agree. You know, if you, trans- if you can transform your employees, then your tra- your employees can transform the guests. But beyond that, you're I think you're you're transforming society because you're you're going into these troubled neighborhoods. You're pulling people out of bad, like, out of the I don't want to say the system, but out of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also exposing and creating awareness about mm-hmm. the issue. So you're doing a lot of great
1: work. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I do when you talk about the experience for the guest. I I do love that we're able to give the the guest a great experience because they they walk in and have great food that looks beautiful, and tastes great. Um and then sometimes it might take them a few times to visit before they they associate the mission with with the cafe. Yeah. And I think once that happens, then that takes that experience to a greater level oh, because sure. you feel like, "Oh my gosh, this feels even better." Because I'm doing good with my purchase right. of my it's conscious capitalism. Yeah, so now
0: like, you know, like, hey, I don't. Not only is this yummy, yeah, but I, I'm paying for the opportunity to feel better about where I'm putting my money. Yes. And that there's something to be said. I think as we become a more enlightened culture and a more enlightened as society becomes enlightened as humanity becomes more un- enlightened, and we get into this idea of just just mindfulness and like being intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, all this stuff, like, makes you feel better. The the choices you make the, to spend a few extra dollars to go to keep your money local or to keep your money into a, a program that supports your local community. Like, stop giving your money to McDonald's. <laughs> like, like, put this money into your community. Save your body and, <laughs> yes. your, yeah, and the
1: economy. Uh, <laughs> so,
0: I mean, I know it's easier said than done. Some people don't have the resources to have I nicer know, things. True. And I, I get that. Um, how many, I don't know if I fully understand the business model. So mm-hmm. you, you're, you're treating your business like a normal business where you have, you know, labor expense, um, you know, your, your cost of goods, your labor, your rent, and you have all these expenses. Um, and then you, you're, you're charging. Do you have, you have the catering, you have the, 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 um, apparel you said? Uh, or the, And the cafe. The, so
1: catering, cafe, apparel.
0: What about, so do you get, so do you get money from the government?
1: Not not directly. Okay. We have grants that okay. come in. So, so what
0: percentage of total income comes from grants and like donations?
1: So that would be about forty eight percent.
0: Okay. So forty eight percent of all the money comes in is, is from grants and donations. Mm-hmm. And then so the fifty two percent is from catering, the cafe. So that's a big chunk of total revenue.
1: Yeah. I mean I want it to be higher, but
0: how do you how do you go about like I'm I'm guess what I'm the reason why I'm asking these questions is mm-hmm. because if you're listening to this and you want to create uh something similar in a different part of the country, you know like what do we need to know? You know, like how do we how do we how do we model this? How do we recreate what you've done here in other cities to create impact in different places yeah
1: well interesting that you asked because we are now studying okay is this a model we can replicate we believe it is so, so you want to scale it. so we're scale. yeah we're looking to scale um now seriously looking at cleveland okay and hope to open in there it's like
0: you're smart to stay in ohio yeah. and to do centrifical circle or i always say it's concentric circles i always say it's concentric, i don't even know if that's a word concentric circles and like really grow that culture out from the inside out yeah Um, Cincinnati probably another market yeah we've
1: looked at we looked at Cincinnati Cleveland is where the data you know in Ohio was the most promising but but Cleveland has some really great work they're doing in the space for human trafficking survivors so you know we need people who are going to be partners that are going to refer to us and we're we're excited with the partnerships up there Um, so that looks like like a next step for us what's Uh, your strategy
0: to find people to partner with
1: um, we start with the court systems. So, catch court as a as a model. We kind of start start there. Look, hey, do they have a specialty docket? What, what's the court system? What are what's law enforcement doing to recognize human trafficking? Because um, you know, like we talked about, it's it's done behind closed doors. So, if the law enforcement in, is not identifying it, then how are we going to find the victims? Like, right. how are I? Addic- victims being identified and who's doing that initial service so we don't you know we don't do the rescue we need somebody else doing that
0: you know it's you mentioned that and i was curious and i was afraid to bring this up because i was like you know i don't want to expose or get anybody in trouble but i would imagine by having these women have a place where they feel safe um by having almost like these these people that can give you information about where is this happening who's in charge like who are the like do you are you able to like kind of find out and like maybe expose
1: so that's all done with law enforcement and okay. and that's prior to us like that's that's not really who we are and what we, we're doing well i'm so thinking it'd
0: be a great byproduct by giving absolutely. these people the sense of security and making them feel like they can speak
1: and maybe well, over that, time some absolutely of this being comes done. yeah we, and we have legal partners that will help so some women might be in uh a case where they might be testifying against their trafficker. Right, because
0: um, they're afraid. They're terrified so, of these people when they're under the thumb of these individuals. But if you can get them out from under the thumb and maybe help them recover and heal, they know that they, uh, you can give information. You can testify against these people. But that must be very dang, that's yeah. dangerous.
1: Yeah, and I think more than dangerous, it's emotionally hard because mm. there's – thing called trauma bond where Mm. there is a bond between them in many cases and their trafficker Mm -hmm. like i said like they're groomed into a relationship first before it turns into a trafficking situation and so there's this this love going on like gosh you know kind of like domestic violence Mm -hmm. right like why does that victim keep going back well you know it's it's in your mind it's just screwed up but it's yeah. it's a real I'm sure it's, it's way real more complicated than i can even it's begin so to it's so complicated yeah. it's really complicated
0: back to um you're you're scaling this yeah. um so you're working with the courts
1: working with the courts there who have then you know helped us to reach out to other like recovery centers that are helping with the, the addiction part identifying the victims and then can refer to us um there's the collaborative end human trafficking, which is like a coalition of all the human trafficking organizations in the area. And we've met with them and they're referring us to, to partnership opportunity. So now like, we just need to find a location. You have know? you
0: considered approaching restaurant tours and saying, would you like to diversify your portfolio and take on a freedom of La carte franchise where we can, because or, I don't know, franchise is like basically just a word for like, This is a model that we replicate, right? So we're giving you permission to run our model. Um, But what I could see the benefit from a restaurant tour perspective, if they are a conscious capitalist, they have this opportunity to take their success and to funnel some of their resources into your program. And it also looks good for them and their organization. And it's also a way in a world where it's so hard to find employees. It can be a vertical into a much more bigger career opportunity for these women is what I'm thinking.
1: I love it. Um, I feel like, Initially we kind of need to try it ourselves mm-hmm. so that we know what that looks like to to scale it like what's the second one look like and make sure that that we know there's lots of idiosyncrasies in working with women with so much trauma. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that that that's all handled and how do we train other people to do that? Um so I think that's something we have to figure out but I like you know if we do want to take this National, right. Like that would be a great, yeah. a great model. Like I think if we could do like maybe Cincinnati, Cleveland and figure it out, right. then we'd, we'd be able to yeah, def- open the doors a little bit. Definitely
0: look into Nick Cirillo. I think you might find a lot of inspiration in his work. Okay. You mentioned him earlier with yeah. this idea of trust and track. Yeah. Uh, but he, oh, I did a workshop with him where it was all about um, creating tangible growth for your employees. So like framing for growth. So like when you come into a program, you need to see a clear path to where you're going, the different options. And these yeah. are the steps you take to get there. You want to raise? Absolutely. Here are the things you have to do to get it. So you can do that in three months or you can do that in a year, depending on how bad you want it. But like the whole idea is like, here's the curriculum. Here's the, here the certifications. Yeah. So it's almost like a, like a, like a treating your, your, your business, like a, like a uh, university where like, there's different tiers of like growth and like you want to become an, you want to get your masters in restaurants. Well then we'll, we'll put you through the program and when you finish the program, we'll let you buy into different like models. Like you can become like a partner, you know, not literally, but you know what I'm saying? Like that's the idea. Yes. So,
1: okay. I'm checking that out. It sounds perfect.
0: I think if, if by tapping into other restaurant groups, you're creating your, you're, raising the roof on the uh, the possibility for growth within these organizations and like one thing restaurant owners need mm-hmm. is people to give opportunity to yeah um anyway i'll I'm putting i'm just speaking out loud right now man i love it <laughs> this is that's my
1: favorite thinking thing of business is you know the visionary work yeah. and thinking ahead and you know where can we take this yeah and how are we going to have the most impact you know we kind of do we do satellite locations here in Columbus? No, we're not trying to. We're not trying to build the biggest catering business. We're not trying to be the, you know, grow this cafe franchise. We're trying to serve survivors of human trafficking. Right. How do we do that with the biggest impact? And so I think it's diving into new survivors and new communities. Yeah.
0: Oh, I wish you the best. Thank uh, you. I really love the work you're doing. Is there anything we haven't discussed today that you were hoping would come out in today's conversation? I don't
1: think so. Yeah. Nope.
0: Um, so I guess if we want to learn more, if we want to help, mm-hmm. um, tell us, help us understand like the best way for us to get involved.
1: Um, well, visit the website, um, with my marketing background, it better be a nice looking website. It is beautiful. Thank you. org. Going back to, we started as a food cart. There's no E on the end of cart. So it's alacart with no E. Okay. Dot <laughs> org.
0: And, um. Like, what is the future for you? Like, paint, like what? Like, really, you kind of you started getting into the future, but like, you want to start going to different cities. Yeah. But like, is there like a bigger picture that we haven't discussed?
1: No, I mean, I think that's it. I'm excited. We're I'm adding a a COO at the beginning of the year, so that person will be handling operations at this location, so that I can go work on what's next in the visionary work, um, raise money, spread the message. And I'm, I'm excited about that and see where where that takes us, you know? Yeah. Um, Like I said, we're just trying to, to provide these services and this transformational work to more and more individuals. So,
0: and uh, so we have your, your website. What about if we want to reach out directly to you?
1: Um, My email is um, Paula at freedom
0: Awesome. And you know that I'm going to, I can't say goodbye without having you call somebody out. So, as somebody who's tapped into the hospitality industry, who's tapped into um, bigger picture thinking, you know, uh, nonprofits, who do you respect and admire in this industry? Somebody that, if they were a guest on the show, you would absolutely listen to what that person has to say. Oh my
1: gosh. Well, of course, I have to call out um, BJ Lieberman. So, not only is he a very talented chef, he has a heart of gold. He served as our uh, an interim chef for us when I one of my chefs left and I knew it was going to take me a, a minute to hire somebody into that role. Um he was moving to Columbus and 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 stepped in. It, it's a tough position to step into, right? Like when that. you're working with a lot of female survivors of human trafficking and they loved him because he's just real and approachable but very creative um he has raised over fifty thousand dollars for our organization by donating a private dinner for guests and the the price for that dinner keeps going up because he just delivers an amazing meal and experience for them so everybody talks about it and and wants to purchase it the next year um, and he's my son-in-law.
0: <laughs> so it was BJ. BJ. BJ, look out! I'm coming after you. Yes. Love to get you on the show. And um, you already told us how we can connect. And I guess this is where I say just thank you so much for the work you're doing to to inspire, empower, and transform our industry, but also to to and transform the world. And awesome. there is no questioning, Paula. You are unstoppable. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Paula Haynes, for coming on and being an inspiration and looking at all the recent lessons we've had on the show. This idea of we're moving into the transformation economy. Uh, we're playing the infinite game. And, I mean, when you take that stuff and you combine it with what we've learned in the past using, like, for an example, Danny Myers and Lightened Hospitality. um, If our mission, if what we have to do today is transform, if the guest is the product and our our goal, our mission is to transform the guest, then we take that information, we combine it with what we learned about Danny Myers, where the, the most important guest is our inner guest, our employee. What Paula Haynes is doing is transforming her inner guest, her employee, uh, and doing it in such a way, an impactful way, taking people who need the help and giving them transformative help. Uh, and I think this is the power of the restaurant industry, being able to transform the industry and doing so, transforming the world. And I think this is just a shining example of that. It's totally inspiring. So keep up the amazing work, Paula. Um, you know, more of us could be thinking like this. So, anyway, great things happening here at Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. We are relaunching RestaurantUnstoppable.com. We're going to have a search feature with all of our past content. You can search by location. You can search by guest type. You can guess, search by uh, interview subject and topic. Like We're going to be robust, and I cannot wait. It's it's way overdue. We're also going to be relaunching our uh, community element of Restaurant Unstoppable, where we're moving to ClickFunnels 2.0, um, new, totally new platform, And um, we're going to be getting away from Money Networks, uh, still doing the live events. Uh, We're working on lining up those live events now, and we're going to be answering this question. If Eric Cacciatore is opening five restaurants in five years or less, how is he going to do it? Who are the people he is going to? We're going to have live coaching around uh, this question, and I'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, more details to come i can't say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who make this podcast possible thank you to jared parisi at sumadre podcast for your copyright and editing and thank you to Callen niola our amazing new community manager for all the work you're doing behind the scenes as well that's it for today until next time peace out